Hello, everybody. My name is Liam O'Keefe, and welcome to the Liam O'Keefe Podcast. We are just a few days away from the start of the NFL season, so I'd like to take the time today to talk about some of the more interesting teams that I think could surprise people this NFL season, and I'd like to talk about Mike Evans and what's going on with him in Tampa Bay. The first thing I want to talk about is the AFC East, which is the Patriots, Jets, Bills, and Dolphins. So many people see this as the most competitive division in football with at least two, if not three, playoff teams coming out of this division this year. And I'm just not so sure if I follow that exact train of logic because I feel like there are too many question marks surrounding a lot of these teams. And I feel like if you have too many question marks, in the AFC especially, it's going to be really hard for you to make the playoffs. For example, I think the Jets have one of the biggest question marks in the entire NFL this year, which is Aaron Rodgers, who they traded multiple top picks for to come in and quarterback for their team after so many years of mediocre quarterback play. A lot of people see this as an incredible move for the Jets, and they single-handedly have turned the look of this team around after it looking pretty bleak at the end of last year. And I agree that the Jets are looking much better this year than they were last year, but I'm not sure at what level Aaron Rodgers is anymore at age 40 and after a pretty down year, all things considered, in Green Bay. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers couldn't bounce back from last year. We just saw him the past two years win multiple MVPs and look like the best player in football at times. But it just looks like this train is coming to an end. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to sustain this after trying to learn a new playbook, connect with new receivers. We know how hard it is for Aaron Rodgers to connect with young guys. We saw this all the time in Green Bay where the Packers would give him weapons, but they wouldn't connect right away. Like, if you remember last year, it took Christian Watson 10 weeks to become a superstar, and obviously that did end up happening, but by that time, the Packers had only won like four games. The Jets cannot wait till 10 weeks into the season for Aaron Rodgers to finally start getting some chemistry with guys like Garrett Wilson, or else they'll be done for. A counter-argument people tend to have to this train of thought is that Aaron Rodgers only really needs to be a game manager quarterback for the Jets to have success this year because their defense is so good and they have so many great weapons. But I'm not sure if I also follow that philosophy either. I'm not sure if the Jets are built as great as they're laid out to be. Obviously, the defense is fantastic. You have Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed at corner. They're one of the best duos in the league. You have a scary D-line with the Williams brothers. And, you know, you have edge rush rotation for days back there. Robert Sala has done an incredible job on the defensive side of the football. But my main problem is on the offensive side of the ball, where you really don't have too much to work with if you're Aaron Rodgers. You have Garrett Wilson, who I think is going to be incredible. He's a top 10 wide receiver in the league, in my opinion, already. And he's only going to get better with stable quarterback play. But after him, who are really the pass catchers in New York? You have Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. These are just the guys that we watched him go 8-9 and nine with in Green Bay. Like, there's nothing really moving the needle for me here, aside from Garrett Wilson. The tight ends aren't much better either with... Conklin and CJ Uzama, those are both backup level guys. So Aaron Rodgers isn't exactly surrounded with elite level talent. 
So to recap, we have a team with a 40-year-old quarterback coming off a bad year, one good wide receiver and no real pass catchers, and then we didn't even talk about running backs where they have their best running back is coming off an ACL tear, and the track record for guys coming back with ACL tears is very low. So everyone's expecting this huge year out of Brees Hall, this incredible bounce back, but I just don't see it. I think it's going to take him time to come back, and I would think they're going to work him in right away. He's going to be on a snap count for a while, and that leaves Dalvin Cook to be their backup, who has been very good in Minnesota the past few years, but you're a running back, and you're like pushing your high, high 20s. I don't know if this is really what you want your offense to look like unless you're trying to build a nursing home. Obviously, the Jets aren't going to be a bad team this year. They won seven games last year with the worst quarterback situation I've seen in a while, from Zach Wilson to Joe Flacco to Chris Streveler. So there is room for improvement, but, you know, they could have done anything and improved. So I'm just really not seeing how they can compete in a division with two real powerhouses, I think, superstar teams in the Bills and the Dolphins. Obviously, those two teams aren't without fault either, which we'll see now with Miami. And I think Miami is a very well-built team. They have two incredible wide receivers. They're two top 10 wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They have a scary defense, which seems to be the story with pretty much every team in the AFC East, with Bradley Chubb and Christian Wilkins and Jalen Ramsey who they just brought up even though we'll get to him in a second and I'm a little lower on him actually but the thing that stops this team from being really really good is injury and obviously every team has to worry about injury good or bad but Miami just seems to get hit with it the worst obviously last year Tua suffered multiple concussions and it was just a really scary sight to see but that's not the only injuries that Miami has suffered this year alone. Jalen Ramsey is already projected to miss the first six weeks of the year at least. So that leaves Xavier and Howard out there all alone with no real reliable guy behind him. And you also have on the offensive side of the ball, Teron Armstead, their star left tackle that they paid, I think it was $80 million a few off seasons ago. He is injured too. And if you don't have a strong left tackle, your quarterback who suffered multiple concussions a year ago that could lead to some very very scary things for the Miami offense which is all I really have to say for Miami because I think on paper they're one of the best rosters in the NFL they're extremely well-rounded in all facets of the game but they are just too injury prone a little too old a little too banged up so you've got to wait for things to break your way and you can see them breaking their way and them being a very successful team, but it's just going to take a lot to happen, and I don't know if you can bank on all of that happening at once to make them a successful team. Before we talk about Buffalo, who I have winning this division, I just want to briefly touch on the New England Patriots, and they are a team that I think could surprise people a little bit this year because I think that they have the least question marks about them in this division, uh, which is something that I think is really important. If you're banking on things to go right, chances are they probably won't if you have a lot of them. And New England, they don't have the star power that Miami has or Buffalo has, but 
They have incredible coaching. Their foundation has been solid for 20 years. And I think people are really sleeping on Mac Jones in this offense because of the horrible results they put out last year. But people forget that they had a defensive coordinator as their offensive coach, which doesn't get talked about nearly enough for some reason because if that had happened to any other team, I feel like it would have been talked about a lot more. So I'm projecting a huge bounce back for the New England offense. It's not going to be top 10, but it can definitely be around league average. And with the New England defense, which has a potential to be the best defense in the NFL, if done right, coached by Bill Belichick, they could be a surprise playoff team. And if things don't break right for Miami or New York, I can definitely see New England taking advantage of that and sneaking their way into the playoffs, potentially as the second team in the AFC East. And I know some people are going to be very shocked by that because a lot of people I've seen have written off the New England Patriots. They don't believe in what's happening in New England. And they just think that after 20 years, it's finally over. They've had a losing record two of the past three years without Tom Brady, and they think this is it. But I really think this year Mac Jones is going to prove people wrong and the New England offense coupled with that incredible defense is going to be all right. This isn't going to be a team that puts up, you know, 53 on you every game and like absolutely scorches you from the sky and rains down this incredible passing attack and is like the most explosive team in football. But it's a team that is going to have an incredible defense. It's going to be very hard to score on the New England Patriots this year with Matt Judon and Josh Uche and Christian Gonzalez, who I loved. I can't believe that the NFL let Bill Belichick get his hands on Christian Gonzalez. And it's going to be really hard for teams to score on the New England Patriots. And because of that, the offense is going to have more time to run the ball, you know, keep the defense off the field and keep them fresh. And they're just going to, you know, dink and dunk their way down the field with shorter completions, but a strong running game. And I think that really is a recipe for success in today's NFL. If you can just sit back and have long drives that take 10 minutes, really get the defense tired, you can start to see where this team finds its wins, where they get you on a three and out on offense, and then the New England, a longer time of possession than the other team, and the defense gets really tired, and it forces the offense to just keep trying out there to give their defense some rest, and it makes it harder because the defense is so good. I think you can really see where New England starts to find its uh, identity and its strengths. But obviously, the thing about New England is they have a low floor, but they also have a low ceiling. They struggle to make big explosive plays. They don't have a Tyreek Hill on their team. They don't have a Patrick Mahomes on their team. So if things do end up working out for other teams, you can easily see them just not having enough power to make the playoffs and overall just being outmatched by a bunch of other teams in the division, like the Bills, but also just in the AFC alone, like the Jaguars and the Chiefs and those real top contenders. Finally, to wrap up our AFC East segment, I want to talk a little bit about the Bills. I've heard a lot of doubt coming from people around the league saying that the Bills are like the Cowboys and it's always going to be their year, but they're never going to make it. And I kind of disagree. I still think as long as you have Josh Allen, you're going to be fine. He's one of those A1 tier guys who can win you games purely just on him being there alone. He can pass the ball like it's no one's business. 
He can run the ball like he's Lamar Jackson. The Bills have relied on Josh Allen to be their best runner for his entire career. They've never had a solid running back that could provide rushing upside like Josh Allen can. So as long as you have Josh Allen, you're fine. The defense does only get older with Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and Tredavious White all entering the back end of their primes, but you can still see the Buffalo Bills trying to plug in younger talent already, like you saw with Kair Elam in the draft last year, along with Ed Oliver, who is someone else who could start to play a big role in Buffalo this year. Especially with Vaughn Miller starting the year on the physically unable to perform list, someone's going to have to step up there, and I believe Ed Oliver can be the one to fill that role as the pressure creator on the Bills defensive line. So to quick recap, the Jets are old, and I think they're a little overhyped. Miami could have that high ceiling if they can get the injury bug to go their way. New England is a sneaky team to be good, but a lot of things have to go their way in terms of how other teams perform. And I think Buffalo is still going to be the top dog in this division, and they'll probably win it for the fourth consecutive year. I don't want to spend too much time on the AFC West or the AFC South because I feel like the winners of those two divisions are going to be pretty easy. The Chiefs are going to win the AFC West for about the eighth year in a row at this point. And the Jaguars, I think, are really the only competent team in the AFC South. And I think they're going to win that division pretty easily. But what I do want to talk about is the AFC North, which I think is the most competitive division in the National Football League. There's at least two teams that I think are Super Bowl contenders, but I can see all four teams winning this division if things go right. Starting with the team that I think is least likely to win the AFC North, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just don't think they have the top end talent. It's kind of like a situation in New England where they're a very good team on their own, but in a division where they're just outclassed by the rest of their team in terms of talent. I like their defense a lot, which is similar to New England, but their offense could hold them back potentially. They're gonna make more explosives than New England can, but I don't know if they're gonna be consistently good enough on a down-to-down -down basis to have too many scoring drives because their offensive line is poor, their run game doesn't project to be well, mixing Najee Harris and Jalen Warren together. Their passing attack should be pretty good if Kenny Pickett takes the leap we all think he will after he balled out in the preseason, which is still the preseason, but he did look very, very good, even though you try not to take too much from that because a lot of it can be fabricated. I watched Baker Mayfield only miss one pass his entire preseason this year, but I think that Kenny Pickett can take that step, and combined with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, I think this team definitely has a strong case to be successful this year. But like the AFC East, the AFC North just has too much top-level talent to just be good and alright, and the Cleveland Browns are no exception. They went out and they traded for Deshaun Watson, who amid some controversy was a very good player in Houston. He didn't look great coming back in his last few games with the Browns. They only averaged, I think, 14 points per game, which obviously wouldn't get you very far in the AFC, or anywhere for that matter. But after a whole year with the coaching staff and the weapons, I think the offense is going to be rolling. And the defense had some real issues last year, especially with stopping the run. But they went out and they signed Zadarius Smith, 
They signed Ogbogo Okoronkwo, and they signed Dalvin Tomlinson from the Vikings. So they went out and they addressed their main need. So because of that, I'm very high on the Browns, but I also do see the other side where Deshaun Watson just isn't the same guy he was in Houston. And the wide receivers don't take that step forward because Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore aren't super game changers, but they can be successful in the right system. And overall, I can see the world in which this is a Nick Chubb-led team that doesn't have a strong passing attack and needs to try and get carried by its defense with a secondary that I'm kind of shaky on. I don't like their safety play. Denzel Ward is obviously amazing, but there's not much else after that. So you can see the other world where this team just isn't that strong and can't compete with the Bengals and Ravens in this division. On the topic of the Ravens, they are the next team I want to talk about, and they are a team that I hold in a very high regard. I think Lamar is the real deal, and his injury the last few years has gotten people a little lower on him than they should be, because they don't remember the last time we saw a fully healthy Lamar lead that incredible Ravens run where he won unanimous MVP. On top of bringing back Lamar, the real splash move the Ravens had this offseason was signing Odell Beckham Jr. to be their wide receiver for Lamar. And it's a move that I really like. I think the last time we saw Odell was on the Rams and he definitely still had some juice left in the tank. You got to be wary about the ACL injury, but he had a full year to recover from it and I think he's going to be fine. So I really believe that Odell's going to be a positive playmaker for the Ravens and that they're going to have a super successful passing attack now that Lamar has the best weapons he's ever been given in his entire career. With Odell and Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, this team has a massive ceiling and they are definitely a team I would not be shocked if they went all the way and won the Super Bowl. However, the one thing that stops them from winning this Super Bowl is potentially not being able to win the division. And that, of course, would come from Joe Burrow and the Bengals, which is a team that is, on top of being very fun to watch, very, very good. They have the best wide receiver core in the league. They have the brightest young quarterback out there that isn't named Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And their defense is going to be as strong as ever since they kept Lou Almarumo from from taking a coaching job somewhere else because he is a really big reason why that defense is so special and why they made it as far as they did in the playoffs. I feel like it's a little easier to make record predictions for this division than there is in the AFC East because I feel like you know more about what these teams are and who they're going to be unlike the teams in the AFC East. So if I had to give my predictions, it would be Ravens at one, Bengals two, Browns three, and the Steelers at four. And the best part about this division, though, is that it could go anyway. You could see the Ravens in last, the Browns in first, the Steelers in second, but that wouldn't be what I predict to happen, so you never know. Now I want to take a moment to step away from the AFC and kind of talk a little more about the NFC, even though, in my opinion, it's a little more boring because I don't think there are too, too, too many exciting like rivalries in between the divisions. You kind of know who's going to be good and who isn't really going to be good. I feel like it's more cut and dry than it is on the AFC. 
In the NFC West, you have the 49ers, who amid quarterback controversies with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, I still think are going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. And the only other team from the West that I think could make the playoffs is the Seahawks because the Rams, they sold out, they won their Super Bowl, and now they're paying the price for it. They have nothing on defense outside of Aaron Donald and nothing on offense outside of Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford is so old, and it would be a shocker to me if Aaron Donald doesn't retire within the next two years, given the state of this team. In the NFC South, I really only see two teams vying for that number one spot, and that's the Falcons and the Saints. I don't really see a world where the Buccaneers or the Panthers are vying for a playoff spot this year, mainly because the Panthers should try and take a year to assess what they have in Bryce Young and really see what direction they need to take this team in and work towards that defense because their defense, in my opinion, is god-awful. They have nothing outside of J.C. Horn and Brian Burns who both can't stay healthy to save their lives. So this is a year for them to see what they have in all their young players and just work towards gaining more assets in the draft next year before they really make a strong push. Because I believe the Panthers are heading in the right direction to be a successful competitive team. They have the head coach they need in Frank Reich. They hopefully have the quarterback they need in Bryce Young, who I'm very high on. And you've just got to work around getting the right pieces around them to take advantage of a weaker NFC. However, a team heading in the wrong direction the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The, after losing Tom Brady to retirement and finishing 8-9, and nine, after making the playoffs as one of the only teams to make the playoffs with a losing record, they went out and they signed Baker Mayfield, who hasn't done anything since 2020. And everyone wants Baker to be so good because he seems like such a cool guy. He won the Heisman. He brought Cleveland a playoff victory for the first time in what seems like 50 years, but what has he done since February 2020? Nothing but disappoint and not live up to expectations. He got replaced by Deshaun Watson. He couldn't keep the starting job in Carolina. He then got taken to the Rams as a backup before signing and having a quarterback battle with Kyle Trask in training camp. So you've put Baker Mayfield in a situation where they have a bad head coach who doesn't really know how to construct an offense behind a bad offensive line and a receiver in Mike Evans who wants out unless he's going to get paid the bag, which we'll touch on a little later. But I just don't see where this team finds many wins, even in an easy division like the NFC South. It's just going to be a hard struggle for Tampa Bay fans as they reminisce on their Super Bowl from a few years ago. But back to the Saints and Falcons, I really think that the Falcons are going to run this division for the next two or three years while the Panthers still formulate how to build a winning roster and the Saints just lose their window of winning soon, which will come once Derek Carr eventually falls off a cliff because there's nothing bright on that offense aside from Chris Olave because Michael Thomas always gets hurt. Alvin Kamara, if he's not hurt, he's beating dudes up. And Derek Carr is eventually just not going to be able to produce at that level to carry teams like he carried all those Las Vegas and Oakland Raiders teams so long ago. But back to the Falcons, I really think they're building something special in Atlanta. Arthur Smith has something cooking. They have Drake London, who was one of my favorite wide receivers out of the draft a few years ago. 
He's big. He's strong. His catch radius is insane. He's not too explosive down the field, but he has that catch radius that makes 50-50 balls feel like 70-30 balls. Along with that, they have Kyle Pitts, who has been underutilized so far, but that's also due to poor quarterback play. Marcus Mariota was not cooking anything last year. Out of, I think I saw a stat, it was 55 targets Kyle Pitts got last year. Only 39 of them were catchable. So, getting Kyle Pitts with a competent quarterback, which I think Desmond Ritter can be. Desmond Ritter can be in that, like, mid-tier of, like, guys who can kind of, like, game manage. I don't think he's the long-term answer there, but for now, he definitely can compete for that starting job. And if you set him up with Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson, I really think you've got something special there in Atlanta. The only problem with the Atlanta Falcons, though, is their defense. It is bad in all phases of the game. They struggle to pressure the quarterback. They struggle to get takeaways through the air. And just overall, they don't project to have a solid defense at all. I like the Jesse Bates signing. Hopefully, A.J. Terrell can take a step back. Or not take a step back, but make a step forward and be who he was in 2020 and not who he was in 2022. But he's still a plus for the Falcons' defense, and I think that the Falcons in a few years are going to be really, really good post-Matt Ryan. Just to circle back to the Saints, though, for one more minute, I really think that the Saints are in some serious trouble in the future. They bought themselves one or two more years of being good and competitive with the Derek Carr signing, but it's going to come crumbling down real soon. They have one of the lowest cap numbers out of any team they always do every year and eventually it's going to have to catch up with them they can't just keep kicking this can of cash down the road in hopes that it'll all just go away because it can't they gave out a lot of money to try and keep their window open for as long as possible with Drew Brees and they couldn't do it so now they're just trying to see if they can squeeze anything out of Derek Carr in a weak division but it's all going to come crashing down really really soon which is why I think it's going to be the Panthers and the Falcons to compete for this division for the next few years to come. But I do think this year, the Saints are going to be fairly competitive, and I wouldn't be shocked if they win the division this year, but my money would be personally on the Falcons. Wrapping it up for the NFC here, I want to talk briefly about the NFC East and then explore more on the NFC North, because I think the NFC East is pretty cut and dry in the way that it's going to finish. The Eagles are the powerhouse of the NFC, not just the East, the entire conference. They're maybe the most well-built team in football. Jalen Hurts is incredible, and Howie Roseman has done an incredible job surrounding them with a bunch of great talent. And it's really going to show off this year. I think they're at least my favorites to win the Super Bowl this year after another year of experience in the playoffs and, and hopefully another year of progression from Jalen Hurts. But after that, I think it's the Cowboys who, if the Eagles weren't in this division, would win, I think, by a landslide. The Cowboys are a tier above the Giants. They have a quarterback in Dak Prescott who needs to limit the interceptions, but I think with Mike McCarthy calling the plays, those will go down. They have a pretty good running back in Tony Pollard, but I'm not sure how he is after the injury from the 49ers playoff game last year. And... The wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb is an incredible young wide receiver. He's going to get paid soon. 
Michael Gallup is a reliable backup if he can stay healthy. And they brought in Brandon Cooks, which I really like giving a, a real backup to Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. The Giants, in my opinion, aren't going to be anything too special. They made some cool moves in the offseason. I like the trade for Darren Waller, and I think Deontay Banks is a solid pick for them in the draft. But they just didn't get good enough. They didn't get better enough to seriously compete for a top spot in that division. And they did win a lot of one-score games last year, which people want to bring out as a sign of regression. But I don't want to count that because I think that their improvements to the team are going to cancel out the one-score games that people call fraudulent last year. They're going to cancel out, and they're going to end around nine wins again, which will probably get you, like, the seventh seed in the a uh, NFC, sorry. But I don't know if it's going to be anything too crazy. And then... The Commanders, they're starting a fifth-round pick at quarterback. It's just, I don't really see it this year. Their offensive line is bad. They have good weapons um, in terms of wide receivers. Terry McLaurin is great. Jahan Dotson is nice. But they have no tight end. They have no running back. They have no quarterback. It's just really bad all around, which is sad to see because their defense is really nice. But I don't think that that defense is going to help that offense out that the way that the Steelers' defense could help out the Steelers, or the Patriots' defense could help out the Patriots' offense. I just think this is a year for the uh, Washington to assess their new coaching staff. They had a lot of things going off the field with a new owner, so this is just going to be a year in uh, transition for them, and hopefully they can find their franchise quarterback soon because um, a fifth-round pick is not the guy for me. Sorry, Sam Howell. Then, to wrap up the NFC and kind of the season preview I have here, uh, we're going to take a look at the NFC North, which I have a semi-interesting prediction for. I've seen it thrown around. I don't have too much crazy stuff to talk about, but I do have the Lions winning this division, as does it feel everyone else does. I mean, they're just so good. Like, they are missing some pieces, obviously. Like, Jamison Williams is suspended for the first six games, and their defense still has a few holes in it. But all in all, I think that they're just going to create so many explosives. Jared Goff has once again shown that he just needs to be in the right situation to succeed. He's not an elite quarterback on his own, but he can operate in structure better than most guys can, you know? So I really think that he's going to be a pleasant surprise for Lions fans, and I think they're going to win the division for potentially the first time ever, if not the first time in a very, very, very long time. But where it really gets interesting is who I have finishing second, and it's not Minnesota who won this division two years ago, and it's or last year, rather, and it's definitely not Chicago. I think Chicago is only going to win like five or six games this year. They do not have it yet, man. Justin Fields really, really needs to show some improvement for me to think that he's their guy because he can't throw for the life of him. He was missing screen passes. His checkdowns weren't right. And hopefully DJ Moore is going to do some good for him and that these weapons can create because his weapons have been very bad for the past few years. But I need to see a lot out of Justin Fields this year. But that, regardless, that's not what I'm talking about. The Vikings are going to finish third in this division. They won so all of their games, I'm pretty sure, not all, but most of their games last year were one-score victories. And unlike the Giants, I don't think the Vikings got better to account for the 
one-score games that they're not going to be winning this year because they lost a lot of their defensive line. I mentioned when we were talking about the Browns that the Browns got Zadarius Smith in a trade and they signed Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency. The Vikings' defense is too young and too inexperienced to compete for a serious playoff hopes. The offense is ready to go. I think Kirk Cousins is a very solid quarterback. They have the best wide receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson. They have a top three tight end in TJ Hawkinson. But Jordan Addison's unproven. He's a rookie, and that offensive line is rough. Kirk Cousins took more hits last year than any other quarterback, so they're really going to need to fix it if they want to have a successful season. So finally, that leaves the Green Bay Packers finishing second in the NFC North, and I think that gives them a spot in the playoffs as a sixth or seventh seed because I think that Jordan Love is the real deal. I Obviously, we haven't seen him play like a real game as the anticipated starter, but he has been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for all those years. He like isn't going to be anything crazy, but he's just going to be a pocket passer who can create out of structure, and that's all they really need. They have good weapons. They have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. They drafted Jalen Reed in the second round. Their defense is just full of athletes. The Packers drafting process is just looking at the guys who score the highest at the combine, who are the most athletic, and it pays off because then you have a great defense full of athletic freaks like Luke Van Ness and Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander. So I really think that there's going to be no stop and drop off from the post Rodgers era in Green Bay, and I really do think love is the truth there. I'm running a little longer than I would hope to for my first podcast. But um, I think we're going to close this out with the Mike Evans news that he wants a contract extension or he wants to be traded out of Tampa Bay. And I can't blame him. Tampa Bay is not the place you want to be right now if you're still having the prime of your career, which Mike Evans is definitely in. He's entering his 10th season in the league, which I still think is a prime for a wide receiver. He can be very productive for at least the next five years. And I just think Tampa Bay should get rid of him. I don't think they should bother paying him considering the trajectory they're headed. They're headed down. They need to get younger. They need to get cheaper. They need more draft assets. So that's why I think they should trade him to a team that either needs a real wide receiver one or wants to add a real superstar next to their wide receiver one. I have three destinations in mind that I really think could use a player like Mike Evans. The first is the New England Patriots, because I am a Patriots fan. If you couldn't tell, by the way, that I was talking about New England earlier, I uh, love New England, but they need a real wide receiver one. Devontae Parker or Juju Smith-Schuster isn't going to cut it there. And if they want to be really competitive in that AFC and control their own destiny, they need a wide receiver like Mike Evans. And I think that they could definitely put together the trade package and they have the money to pay Mike Evans. The second team I have is the LA Chargers, which I think is an interesting choice because they have three pretty good wide receivers in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and their rookie Quinton Johnson. But I think Keenan Allen is only getting older. He's not the same guy he used to be. And... If they just want to continue stacking up on weapons, I think trading Keenan Allen for Mike 
Evans is definitely something that the Chargers should look into to have Mike Williams, Mike Evans, and Quinn Johnson on the same team. That would be enough for me to get on the Justin Herbert hype train. That's for sure. I already am on the Justin Herbert hype train, but the MVP train for sure would be there. Then the final team I have is Detroit. Detroit has one real weakness on offense for me, and that's their wide receiver too. Jamison Williams has played no real football in his first year in the league. He was injured, and then he came back, and he wasn't too much of a difference maker. And then in the offseason, he got suspended six games at the start of this season for gambling. So I think it makes so much sense for Detroit to push all their chips in now, trade some of their assets, and go out and get Mike Evans to put a next to Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that would be an incredible team. Defenses would have a nightmare trying to compete against Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Mike Evans, and Sam Laporta, all against that offensive line too. I think that would really make Detroit a top, top contender. And that's honestly my favorite choice outside of the Patriots, obviously. But I think that's going to wrap that up for me. I would love to thank anybody who actually stayed through and listened to this whole podcast. It means a lot to me as this is my first podcast. I know it wasn't perfect. I know I need a microphone. I need to get a little more confident in myself as a podcaster. But if you really watched this the whole way through and enjoyed it, let me know. Share it with people. Keep streaming it. It would be it would mean the world to me. So thank you so much for watching and I will see you all next week.